Welcome to another episode of El Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenza. I'm your host for the second season, reminding that El Cafecito is part of the Latin American Studies program at the University of Toronto. And we'd like to thank the Office of the Vice President at the University of Toronto that gave us the award that made this podcast possible. Now for my introduction. I don't think Brazilians are able to follow the most basic rules. Hey folks, my name is Dani or Daniel. I'm a psych student at York University. Thinking about COVID around the world makes me think how different we can see the thing. Hola, hello Cuba. My name is Raquel and I just wanted to say thank you all for uh, joining us in this Radio Viral project. I really hope that you had a good time listening to the podcast and for our student representatives thank you so much for working with us and we just really hope you had a great time hey everyone it's anna and i want to just say thank you to the department and to leon Raquel for having me on this is my last podcast episode and i'm so grateful oh see ya so sad hi everyone uh, thank you so much for having me again participating in the podcast project uh, I am Steve. I graduated last year from U of T. Uh, so I am happy always to be connected to the community there and to, uh, you know, talk about topics that are of interest. And so I hope like that everybody enjoys this podcast as always with interesting topics and, and great, uh, great conversation with everyone here. Okay, so we're here in the last episode of Radio Viral, in this last episode of our second season, to talk about... Hey. to. F- yeah, <laughs> to focus to focus on a different perspective, to compare Latin America to the international perspective, and especially to Canada. And thinking about that, uh, in Brazil, we had many scenes of people completely disrespecting the quarantine procedures and people agglomerating in bars, more than 70 people, 80 people together, and uh, with, all, with scenes of, of cops trying to remove these people and people resisting and claiming that there was the, their individual right to stay there and that they should stay there. And I wonder if these kinds of things happened in Canada or happened in the global north, as academia puts it. Are Canadians, or do Canadians respect the rules more than Brazilians? I wonder. No, <laughs> yeah. absolutely not. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen on the news recently, but I am now a Queen's student and my fellow peers have been going crazy in Kingston throwing raging house parties and it got so bad that the mayor for those who are not familiar with Kingston geography the university is basically like on a lake and there's a pier and there's a big park and so many students especially first years were coming there socializing that they shut it down no access to the park now and uh yeah it's it's been pretty bad I also feel that here, um, it's it's a thing that in the Western world, there's a perception of just like the ident- like individualism in a sense. So I don't think that people were really like, no, I'm going to stay home because I'm going to protect my fellow citizens. And like, because this is the best thing to do for, for the community. So I will just say that people were looking for, for themselves and that's it. Yeah, well, I to agree with Raquel, because, like, at least when I used to hear, like, some stuff from my friends at home and my family, 
we kind of like have more sense of empathy because we we are like okay i don't want to go out because uh, i might like you know carry the virus and i will like uh pass it to any of my friends or like let's say my um family members and stuff but here's more about like what will happen to me so even even like if i speak to some of my latin american friends here they are more concerned about what will happen to their friends and to their family whether that what will happen to them so this sense of individualism and this sense of like having your own space and you being on your own bubble makes it that we project ourselves as like this huge community that tries to like keep safe like each other but like that's not what actually behind the scenes it's happening i find that there's a lot of selfishness selfishness happening um especially when i'm talking to other people i know they kind of they're still they're not following the rules they're still socializing with a bunch of people and they're like well you know like i'm taking the risk it's fine i don't i don't whatever it's okay but they're not realizing that by taking these risks they're putting so many other people at risk and i i've told them before i'm like i'm not gonna hang out with you if you're going off meeting new people every week coming into contact with other people as if nothing had changed and that's that's happening a lot i find i don't know about your guys's experiences i also feel that when people get to like let's say that they already got tested and now they feel because like they don't have the virus they're like okay i'm good to go at the we are like ready to to party we are ready to have friends over and that's i mean it's not it's not a thing like we we have to follow the different rules all the time even if you like got tested or not like that's uh something that we should like all do to protect one another yeah and, and i think this goes to all brazilians that say that abroad is better that the us is better and that's why that that they're they're culturally better in that sense and that's why they're doing better in covid and i just want these people to listen to this podcast and understand that this happens everywhere in the world and it's not because brazilians or venezuelans or equatorians are dumb and culturally vacuous that that doesn't doesn't mean that they're they're stupid right and i don't know if this also happens in your countries if you have this this kind of sense that the the abroad is better and that they're doing better because of their of their culture yeah no like definitely at least in the case of ecuador and like me after living in, in toronto for five years and like seeing day-to-day like stories of people going out like you know one always has this perception of like well like so what's happening why are people like having that like that freedom to be able to go out and to have coffee outside and things that like uh, to a certain extent can be done here too, like going out and keeping that distance. But, you know, like one is continuously asking uh, oneself, like what do we need to do more of in order to, in order to get to that point, right? So yeah, definitely I, there is a difference um, in how things have been happening for sure. But in terms of culture, I don't think it's a cultural issue. I actually think that like people, at least here in Ecuador, uh, with all the uh, restrictions from the government, uh, sometimes uh, some of them arguably like very, very, I don't know, not that helpful restrictions uh, are in place and people have been following them and, and, and we have to do it. And we know that we have to take all the precautions too 
So like when going out to the streets, so we like everybody wears the mask. Well, I have heard of comments or like from friends who live there in, in Canada that you can see still people that do not respect these basic, basic uh, rules to follow, right? So I definitely think it's not a cultural issue at all. I think it's more of like what goes best with what's happening with the context of COVID too. Because we have to take into account that like at least in the Latin American region, there should be a lot of people that are in trouble with uh, not having jobs, uh, uh, having to, you know, go out to like get the groceries and not having access to a good transportation, public transportation system. That's actually one of the main issues too. And in one of the places where people get um, infected with COVID the most. So it's all of that apart from like the parties that people throw here and there. So it's definitely the context of, of the of the disease that shapes what we perceive as doing good or doing bad, uh, uh, conveying this disease. I definitely think what you were saying, Steve. It's it's not a cultural thing, and it's based, it's very based on people's life circumstances. And at least what I've noticed is that those who are throwing parties, those who have more disregard for the rules, can afford to get sick in every sense of the word. They can afford to, you know, take two weeks off or however long off work to recover. They can afford the medical bills if there are any. And, you know, their their health is better. They, they feel invincible. And so that's the difference. And then, you know, many are going out and having to work and getting infected in the workplace. But they're not disregarding the rules. They're doing what they're told to. So that's what I see. Yeah. And another thing that I've been very surprised about is that people are traveling for like pleasure stuff like rather than like it's not for work it's not for school it's just like because they they can afford to travel and they want to travel and it's people going from like the east coast to the west coast people from like south america going to the states or uh to europe and it's for me just crazy to think that they they can actually do that and think that it's fine like to then go back and be like nothing happened like we are not in the middle of a pandemic like everything is back to normal but it's like as you're saying Anna it's like the people that can afford to to travel the people that can afford to get sick and they don't really care about the ones that don't yeah I would like to say thank you for touching that point because like yeah I feel that it's totally related to the context like at least I know uh, in the perspective from Colombia like the ER rooms like are not right now available because they're collapsing like our health in, like our health responders and infrastructure is not enough to fight against like the amount of cases that are increasing and like if you just compare like the amount of cases that at least here in Ontario uh, have have been reported in comparison to, to the ones that have been reported in Bogota like there's a huge difference right so like it's most likely that people perceive that their friend or their family or any family member has gotten this um this disease but here like you can ask your friends and most of your like close group it's fine right so like this idea that because my close group and nobody has passed through like this situation it's fine then that that means that nothing is going on that it's it's just like people talking shit about like what's going on uh, on the world you know what i mean so that's why a lot of people decide to go trouble and all that that's why people decide to go out because they they think that if there's nothing on is if there's nothing going on like in my close circle then 
that means that nothing is happening at all. So yeah, I have like friends that have traveling around like the world as well. Like, and that makes me think like, it's just because of your privilege that you're gonna take advantage of this situation or is because you're actually are conscious about what's going on in the world. Daniel, do you like, you said you have friends that are traveling. Do you say anything to them? Have you had a conversation with them about this? Of course, it's like kind of difficult to address the issue. Like, you know, like you don't want to be the, the best friend that doesn't feel good about what your friend is doing. However, like I feel that I have touched and I have to, I have talked to them like about like my perspective and I have implied about what I think about the situation and I also have to keep my distance, you know, because I have to be like, I have to protect like no others, but also myself, you know what I mean? And I, for example, like I live in a, in a place with different people, like I have roommates, I try to just connect any of my roommates, you know what I mean? What their families will feel about and what they think about, you know? But like, yeah, I have to try to address the issue and I have to talk to other of my friends like saying like, it's not saying that there's something wrong with this person that is doing like all of this traveling and stuff. It's like, what is their perspective of, of the world? Like, what's their perspective of empathy? Like, does this person actually understand the meaning of empathy? Or like, if you, you, you can say a lot of things about what's going on in the world, you know what I mean? But if you don't put um, some action on it, then it's meaningless what you're doing. I think it's very interesting what Daniel just said, because like, especially like, there is several several reasons for for people or like arguments that they have been saying and like to just to justify their traveling like to other countries even and stuff i also have a, a friend of mine like um that like she traveled to the us just because it like the actual flight tickets were cheap because uh companies are going bankrupt so there is an intensive for sure and, and me always as an economist trying to look for intensives to incentives too but like so there is that intensive for incentive for people to do those things too but on the other side like people are taking those risks regardless so sometimes people uh, think that because they are young and because you know uh, they can like afford to deal with the disease while infected with COVID-19 but I mean, or, or people who live alone decide to take higher risks and going out to parties and stuff. So there is that misconception too that plays a huge role, I think. Like people that are young, people that, you know, that live alone or people that are in countries where the disease hasn't affected or at least the numbers don't show like that uh, emergency as here in developing countries we are going through, right? So I think there, like, there is a lot of that too. The, I don't know what you guys think in terms of like certain age groups uh, behaving in a certain way because they think they have an adma- advantage uh, with, like, with dealing with the COVID-19. So I think for the, the age group question, I, like, I, and this is the personal thing that I've been thinking about. Like, I do see a lot of people you know, who are between like 20 and 30 having parties doing all this but at the same time the people in these age groups are also surface workers they're also the ones who are were told to go back to work who have to go work in restaurants and bars and retail locations and so on so for me it's like I do think there's risky behavior and I also think it's like you kind of have to but on another note like I know a lot of way like discussions with my friends and other young people the way that they're seeing the pandemic is 
okay, well, these are the regulations. Like, these countries are allowing travel. Like, I know people who are in Portugal right now for a summer vacation, like, because they're allowed to. So, and the way that they see it is if I'm allowed to, if the state is telling me I can do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to do it regardless of what is actually best. So that's that's kind of the dichotomy I see is there's people who are forced into situations and those who are just doing what they like pushing the boundaries, essentially. Yeah, and also we'll say that this comes back to like um, this discussion about context because like all of my friends are like within their twenties, you know, we're starting our twenties, and not because we're like a young like kind of uh, age kind of people. We, we just decided to go out. Like right now, the situation there is really bad and their contact forced them to be at home, you know what I mean? Because they don't want to infect their families, they don't want to infect their siblings and et cetera, you know? Instead of here, like, because there are like some restrictions that are left, they, they just think that they can do whatever they want, you know what I mean? They, they just think like, okay, we already passed through, a, like how, how much was it, like three months of quarantine? Then yeah, it's enough, the virus is gone, then, we can live for wildlife, you know what I mean? That's why it happened, what happened in Anna's place right now in Queens. Like they just say, okay, the, the pandemic is technically over, then we can just do whatever we want, you know what I mean? As long as uh, nobody knows about what's happening, you know? So I feel that the context has to, has taken a, a huge place in terms of like understanding the dynamic of the pandemic and how we react as society towards and I, I I wonder about the stress related to the COVID pandemic in the sense that I come into Canada, I feel less stressed. It's as if this weight has come off my shoulders, this weight of like thinking about there's a hundred, a thousand and a hundred deaths every day in Brazil, a thousand and a hundred deaths every day in Brazil. It's this tense feeling that you, you get from being in such a stressful environment. And I wonder if, if, this impacts how how people see things and also in another sense how after a while you end up also uh normalizing that the pandemic is there and that the that, oh it's just a thousand and a hundred and not a thousand and two hundred like it was last week and you start thinking about only about the numbers and you forget about the people that are behind these numbers and the stories behind these numbers and it's easy to forget. And that's why I think sometimes people act this way is that they they forget that they're in quarantine. It's like, it's, it's this collective uh, forgetfulness that's so bad for us. Yeah, no, I agree. I remember, um, I think it was, a, well, it was like the like late a- April and um, I was moving out from of residence and um, going to like the place where I'm living right now. And I remember talking to the Uber driver and she was saying that, like the streets were quite empty. And I remember that time when like after living in residence for like two, two months, like under lockdown and then going out to the streets and like seeing no cars, no people walking. Uh, but then now it's just that there's a lot of traffic. A lot of people are going out to, um, I don't know, bars and clubs and sorry, not clubs, clubs are closed, but restaurants and people were just like going to the parties and going uh, just walking or I don't know, doing something else. So it's, uh, I think that in with, with what you're, sorry, with what you were saying about people that are like forgetting the other aspects of the pandemic, I think that's totally true. I feel that we, or at least from my experience, that I kind of like forgot about what I felt at the beginning of the pandemic and how I was dealing with 
the entire situation versus what I'm doing right now to face like the current circumstances. And that's very risky because if we forget what was the beginning like, we're just going to normalize the entire process. And if we don't take care of that, we might just not want to actually take care of the, the entire situation. So that's something that I really need to like think about how this entire process, like how I've been in this entire process and how I'm preparing myself for the upcoming months. Yeah, I think what you said, talking about, you know, you kind of forget about how it was at the beginning. And I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with Ontario's numbers, but they're bad. We, They're really bad. They're kind of back up to where they were in June. And, you know, they're kind of talking about, are we going to go back to lockdown? But the problem is, as you pointed out, everyone's kind of in a new normal. They're, whatever, they're doing their new thing now. So it's, I was actually talking about this in class. How are policymakers going to be respected? Like, they're not going to, if we put the same measures that we did before, well, people are going to be like, well, whatever, like, this is what happened. Like, we're not going to respect the same exact measures. So like, the problem that, you know, the government is facing right now is like, how do we get everyone under control again, but in a different way? I, I definitely think that we're going to get locked down again, especially in the winter, which absolutely sucks. But yeah, that's so interesting. Like to touch that point of like talking about the trade off basically that the government and, and the state has to consider when like, OK, like do we continue or like with all the in the case like of some countries like Ecuador, like enforcing certain rules and and, and prohibitions too to the whole population or do we just give up and, and and leave it up to the to the population to do whatever they want right i feel like that's exactly where the tricky like field is i don't know because like here in ecuador for instance the government as i said like has forced the whole population to uh fulfill you know like all the lockdown and the curfew that's sometimes there are some restrictions that i think like that are like are pointless and, and that are actually, you know, like are, are not actually doing what they were supposed to help with. So, but on the other side, like the government also is thinking of like, okay, let's just leave it up to the, to the people. So everyone right now is like, okay, so what's going to happen in the case of Ecuador, the, the curve hasn't, hasn't gone down at all. At all. Cases keep uh, like keep increasing and you know, like it's a completely different uh, situation that we live. It's uh, the lack of uh, uh, like uh, artificial uh, respirators. I don't know. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of things happening here. Not many people um, having their um, the tests, the COVID, the quick tests, and everything. So we don't have the resources to keep a good track of what's happening here. That I feel like people even started like relying on those on those numbers, right? There is thousands of thousands of deaths that are not reported officially as COVID-19 uh, caused deaths. So that's that's worrying for sure, and something that you all were talking about too. That what's gonna what's gonna happen if we forget what happened some months ago when this started and when everybody was crazy about it and and, and locked everybody um, in their own houses. What's gonna happen now that we kind of forget that? And in the case of us, we uh, already passed through all of these in a forced way that we are kind of like tired of following rules 
something that like some things might have been preferable to you know to keep it by ourselves and to just follow something simple by ourselves but there's also this side like government really helped in some specific cases to keep con like the situation under control right so that's kind of like where the tricky point is i think like what's gonna happen from now on that people either had all the flexibility to do whatever they wanted and now they are like okay do we continue with this or not or the other side of the coin too that like okay we're forced into this but it's been so long that do we just go and free ourselves up already so that's kind of like where everything is and i don't know also the economic conditions of, of the countries that shapes a lot the the how people behave too definitely i feel like Uh, opening restaurants and everything without the proper, um, you know, restrictions and all the um, procedures really affects that. Because I was seeing in Toronto like that everything apparently was working well with restaurants and bars and having um, tables and everything out in the streets. What's, what's going to happen in the winter time? Something that Anna was mentioning, right? Like when everything is like so cold that you cannot stay out on the street anymore. Restaurants have to be thinking of that too, how to shift to an indoor space where you have to keep a much stricter control of the situation because COVID travel to like uh, ventilation, um, everything. So, so it, it's a whole thing to plan from now ahead. Your point on the government's considerations of whether they should open and close are an, it's an important point if the government is actually mining for the COVID crisis. In the case of many Latin American countries like Brazil, the governments for a good while, and especially the federal governments, didn't really care. And we had a lot of tapering with the data, a lot of change in the indicators. And that was also in, that also showed that they were trying to switch a little bit the indicators to show that as if the situation was a little bit better. Something that was done a lot by many state governors was to so one of the 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 indicators that is used is the amount of people in um, emergencies, and they were contracting um, private hospitals to increase the, to reduce this number and then be able to open up. And this is one of the terrible things that, that the Brazilian government did in many states um, in order to open up and in order to continue the economic activity in a moment of such delicacy. Yeah, that, that, the whole idea about how they assess the risk factor, I find interesting because in Canada, they're doing the same thing. They, they measure the gravity of a situation by how... Um, inundated the hospitals are or how overwhelmed they are. So basically what they're saying is, okay, if we have the space in our ICUs, if we have the ventilators to treat, let's say a hundred people, but we only have five people in these units, then it's okay. The moment where lockdowns and serious measures are taken is when our healthcare systems reach the, like the breaking point. So, you know, we could have thousands and thousands and thousands of cases, but as long as those cases aren't serious, they're not going to lock us down for what Steve was saying. We, there's a fine balance between keeping the economy open and shutting down all infection. And what I see right now in the policy world and through government is as long as people aren't dying, literally dying, we're going to keep opening. But, and I think maybe that's a universal measure now, the, the hospitals. But. 
Yeah, I think, okay, so based on everything that you have said, like, of course, like, um, I know, like, maybe government's, like, point of view about how to manage stuff is not, this, like, the best one. However, like, that's when our self-regulation comes to place, you know? Because, like, yeah, you can see that if government is not making the best, but, like, there's still a virus, a virus while why you go all the time out, you know what I mean? Personally, I understand that it wasn't uh, easy to... Uh, manage manage emotions or like try to manage and deal with isolation during this quarantine time right but at the same time i think that like as long as you see one or two times your friends a week or like just one time a week and following all the measures you you will be fine you know what i mean like i don't understand why what's the need of being all the time outside and what's the need of like going against all of those measures because at the end we're living the same pandemic like we're living in the same context and we somehow we can either be carriers or we can suffer from this disease you know what i mean so like of course like the government can do whatever thing it's necessary to just uh, contain this crisis but at the end we're responsible of making this like these measures even worse or making like try to work a little bit I understand what you're saying and I I agree with your point but at the same time I think that one of the reasons why people are going out is that and I can talk about this from my experience is that sometimes I need to leave the house my 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 office area is right next to my room like my 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 bed right so like I stay in one room for the entire day right so it just like I have the need to go out, like to go to the backyard, to go to the park, go for a walk, do something, right? Um, so I do understand why people are trying to meet with others for their own mental health and also just go out just to relax and de-stress for a bit. But I think we can do this. It's just that we need to take the and follow the, the measures that were given by uh, the government or by like the province. Uh, as long as we we follow all these rules, I think it's fine to to do these type of activities. Exactly, I feel like there's like these uh, specific activities to like or or that people can still do with like a proper procedure. You know, like you can still go out for a walk, and that's uh, like in that in that context. That uh, that's exactly where I kind of like disagree with some of the measures that the government of Ecuador uh, took because like they don't allow anyone to go out after 9 p.m which is pointless because uh, you see people lining up out, out, the, out of the supermarkets at 8 45 because they were working the whole day taking care of their children so they have to go out grocery shopping at that time and everybody is packed in the supermarket so there is no point on taking that measures those kind of measures sometimes or like that you did not you do not yeah you cannot go like to a you know, i don't know a national park or like a, a just a green area like a park or whatever just go walking uh, i see that that actually has caused a lot of like you know the opposite of what the government intended to like people with these all of these lockdowns is starting like and they change that every 15 days here because people have to like you know like the, there's the committee or the board the national board of security who uh, has like they have a meeting every 15 days and they decide so like they've been changing everything like every 15 days so it's like okay so this weekend the next week you can go out until 9 p.m and these days you can go out until 7 p.m 
And these days, uh, for the holiday, for the 10th of August, the Independence Day holiday, you can go out at 11 p.m. And then people started going crazy because that was the only time that they could go out like that late. So people went to the beach and everything. So, you know, like all these restrictions, I feel like it's actually the opposite of what they are intended to do. And that's exactly where I feel like that should be fixed here, but also kind of like controlled or in the context of Canada too, because that's exactly what you're talking about, right? There is that uh, risk of people forgetting what, what has happened in the previous months and, and, try, and getting back to quote-unquote normal again uh while forgetting all of this like that's gonna become an issue right because everybody starts going for walks and that but at the same time like that's exactly where like the balance should be right so the government has helped a lot in terms of organizing how picnics are held uh what but i wonder what's gonna happen in the winter time in, in the cities in canada that's that's really like a question for me i don't know i think these are valid points so I, but the way I see it is that when all the first lockdown measures were imposed, we were figuring it out. No one knew what was happening. Like no one really understood the virus. I don't think we still understand the virus. There's a lot of unknowns, but especially during those early days. So the solution was let's make it like locked down just to minimize the risk. And now we understand it a little bit more. Um, and I think it's one of these things that like, we are going to live with this virus forever. It's never going to go away. Even with a vaccine, it's not, it's a part of our lives now. And that's another thing to keep in mind. Like, like the way we move around the world and like our, our daily routines forever, they're going to be impacted. And I think that's a thing that we need to accept. Um, and heading into the winter months, it's, you know, we talk about seasonal flu how to protect ourselves against seasonal flu. We have to change our habits the same way. We're going to have to change our habits going into the winter. Um, but I don't know about you guys in your countries. I've seen a lot of innovation in Ottawa. They're announcing new ways to like to extend patios out until December. So they have announced that they're going to, I don't know exactly how, like a heated patio system where people can dine outside in the winter which has never been a thing in Canada like no one that's not a thing and so I see it as like wow like there's just some innovation great time to you know think of new ways to to go about our day and you know in, in Brazil and Latin America doesn't have to go most of Latin America doesn't have to go through terrible winters like this you know we've actually just been through our going through our, our winter season and that was uh that was actually talked about in the media about how uh, the cases were expected to increase in the south of Brazil because of, of the cold weather. And despite, we still, despite our cold weather in the winter, it's still quite mild compared to Canada. So it just comes to, sh to say, to show that Brazil has, and, and Latin America in general, has all the tools to improve in this pandemic, right? We have the, a climate that favors us. We have uh, people that favor us. And we should take these opportunities um, and not take them for granted. Yeah, we'll say that again. It's a, maybe an issue of less self-regulation because like, that reminds me how, for example, in Colombia, uh, when they decide to do the tax-free day, how people just decide to go out, like despite of the restrictions and all the measures, like they were not following social distancing, the like agglomeration of people and like the places crowded, like 
that was an issue that of course like the government at the beginning didn't like actually realize how impactful that will be but also like how people follow measures and how people self-regulate and understand as Anna was saying understand the virus right like if from the beginning people have to like how impactful this virus is they wouldn't have gone outside in the first place or like they they have tried to follow the measures. If you see that there is a really crowded place, you should try to avoid it. You know what I mean? If you see that there are a lot of people already, while you still, why you still like, you know, filling up the place. So I feel that, like, of course, there are some measures, measures that, like, measures are made for a reason, right? And we're supposed to like follow them not only for ourselves but for others. You know what I mean? So I like, feel that there is like now there's an issue about sort of regulation and how to understand those measures rather than like what the government is trying to do you know what i mean because at the end the government is trying to just cover like a big size of the picture but we're inside that big size of the picture so we're responsible of like whether the measures work or not i guess this is all true and so i kind of have a question for you guys moving moving forward moving into the winter steve moving into not the winter in ecuador but what's something that you want to see like you personally if you were in charge what would you what would you do like what is something you want to see changed or improved bolsonaro out 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 it i'm done i'm done i'm done it's been too long man out he has to leave <laughs> that's what i want <laughs> That's my say. Yeah. That's my say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'll say the same thing for all the politicians in Ecuador that are so corrupt, that are so into their just for the money and not caring about the people at all. So they need to leave like ASAP. Yeah. yeah. All of them, all the politicians in Latin America, like, there's no one, like, there are few that we can say that they are doing something. Actually, they need to go out. That's so we want a revolution. That's what we're hearing. <laughs> so, actually, that's kind of like one part of where the innovations have happened, like how to protest in terms of in, in times of COVID. And yeah, I was gonna say that too. Like uh, it's time for the like corrupt authorities just to leave power, and it's not easy. It's a fight that like people are being living this like for decades it's very important to like to i mean to make more people conscious about what like what authorities can cause in a in a in a in a country right like they have taken us to like huge number of deaths uh, during the call during the pandemic and and there has been a lot of bad bad things that need to be for sure changed and and not only in terms of how the pandemic is 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 dealt but i mean there are other aspects that are not directly related to covid but that still affect how people live throughout uh, the pandemic so uh in terms of everything you know like even like how the economy is held here in ecuador for instance like there there needs to be something that i was thinking a lot of actually and that i hope to see change and that there has been for sure uh isn't food sovereignty i feel like that's a, a pretty uh kind of like say vegetable groundwork to go in terms of the economy in ecuador and in terms of sustainability too like 
during the pandemic we have all depended on food sources and here most of them come from you know rural areas and most of those harvests are literally led by indigenous peoples so i feel like going around one strategic uh sector and potentializing it to like expand through it like to different areas that the government is in control of i feel that that's a good way to go so i don't know like making people conscious about this and with these innovations that are happening now uh i feel like people are going to see that another instance for example like uh bureaucracy here is insane like literally insane like i cannot believe how people are used to bureaucracy here in ecuador like i've been here for a year and a month something like that and uh i after living for five years i just can't believe and how insane this is and how people how stressed people are just because of all these paperwork that they need to do and they actually leave their houses because they have to go to certain institutions to drop out like to drop off some papers or whatever paperwork they are doing it's a stupid like it's a stupid that needs to change and there has been like some changes right like some paperwork um you know procedures have been reduced and technology has helped a lot now you can get an appointment through whatsapp which is a very 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 popular social uh, network here so I, i i see some advance but i feel like we need to you know use those uh platforms to try to make people conscious about what we can do in order to change those authorities and and so that these changes that we need these bigger changes that we need take place so in terms of everything and i i think it's it's very very related to food and very related to the environment for sure i also wanted to say that something i'm really thinking about in terms of what we should do is that at least in ecuador i don't feel that there's a lot of prevention programs being implemented so i mean i don't think that anyone was expecting the pandemic but i do think there were cer certain things that we could have done better and that's about like our Uh, public health system, our political system, our even like how society works. As and Steve, as you were saying, like all the uh, bureaucracy that exists in Ecuador is just part of, part of these. So I think it's important to look at the different prevention programs that can be implemented. And this is not only for like the pandemic and the topics that we were talking about right now, but uh, that, that we are talking about right now. Sorry, but also in terms of okay, we want to reduce teen pregnancies, what are we doing to prevent or to uh, reduce the cases? We want to reduce um, people facing food insecurity. What are we doing to do that, right? So it's it's important to maybe change that mindset to just look at the number and like reduce it, but what are we doing to actually uh, do that? Like prevent it from happening rather than like just uh, taking care of, of the of the of the consequences rather than like the, the, the earlier um, symptoms. I will say that at least in, in Colombia, this was almost like the cherry at the top of the ice cream. Because like literally COVID allowed Colombians to see all the different issues that we have in different institutions and how those institutions don't know how to govern a country. Like, 
we will have enough uh, rooms, uh, ICUs for all people if if government wouldn't be corruptive and take all that money uh, from the health minister. Children and kids will be able to access to online services and will be able to continue school. It all if the Minister of Education wouldn't be robbing us and putting like all that money for improving networking and improving um, schools to allow better access for students to keep taking classes, right? Transportation wouldn't be an issue if the Minister of Transportation wouldn't be taking all that money and putting in like these cases of overdrage and all of these cases of corruption, right? Like there are different stuff that wouldn't have been better. Like, for example, intrafamiliar violence and gender violence wouldn't be an issue right now if the Minister of Health will invest on programs that allow people how to access for um, different uh, types of counseling and different sources for mental health. So I feel that, as you say, guys, like these people need to go out because they're doing nothing. They're like taking all our money and they're like, filling up their pockets, you know what I mean? So like as Latinos and like my invitation for Colombia because right now we're like going under a really bad crisis. Like right now my city is kind of on a strike. So I want to support them right now. The uh, police violence and police abuse is going really strong. So like just keep resistant, be safe, but like keep fighting for your rights because the only way to improve this society and COVID has shown that the only way that improve this society if we actually are organized as um as an like an only nation and just keep fighting for our rights because if we fight as an only society then we can like build something because as, as an only nation okay okay I, I i think i would like to finish the podcast with this i think it was a good ending and I'd like to thank everyone again for coming and for listening to these episodes. Uh, our view, our audience has increased in this past round of viral episodes. I'm really happy with that. Um, Raquel, quest completed, work done. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Leo. Gracias, Ana, for the amazing work that we've been able to do. And I'm really looking forward to season three. So stay tuned and we will see you soon. Have a great school year and thank you. Okay, we'll have a one week pause and we'll be right back with all of you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you. Adios.